Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jim. Listen, I want to first start out by thanking Wells Fargo, our sponsor. We appreciate everything uh, that you all do for our industry and for our association. And we encourage all builders to consider Wells Fargo as part of your financing packages as you move forward. So now let's, uh, Jim, let's, uh, what's going on? Welcome uh, to the, uh, I guess we're now in the mid, the mid-January uh, podcast. We are in uh, Washington bracing for another uh, potential snowstorm here, which is yeah. uh, always an adventure in Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, people from around. So I've had neighbors, Jim, who the first snow they've ever seen is a snowstorm that took place here in Washington. So you can't blame them for not being able to drive in it. What you can blame them for is why are they trying? Right, right. Well, I, you know, we had that, that huge uh, transportation disaster on 95, uh, the last snowstorm. And I kept looking at it and said, that snowstorm was, uh, yeah, it was quick hitting and it was probably bigger than we all thought. But why did anybody get on the road? Just talk yeah, down exactly. wherever you are. Just, exactly. Well, you learned that in Connecticut. I learned that in Vermont. That's um, right. We got to spread the word, spread the, the, the snow gospel to people, I guess. That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, I was on a phone call today with um, uh, a lot of the staff people over at FHA. And I got to tell you, Jim, it's the first time, and I'm not saying this is a negative because it's too early to judge anything by it. It's the first time I've been in a, in a, um, a conference call with FHA where the administration uh, made sure that someone whose portfolio contained sustainability, and climate control was listening to the entire conversation and actually participating. I wow. think it's really indicative of where this administration is going and, and what their priorities are. Well, we've, uh, we've talked about it before. This administration cares about economic opportunity for uh, those who have been left behind. FHA, FHA obviously fits the bill of ensuring first-time home buyers or uh, the, the low economic uh, low economic strata or have access to uh, to to to, uh, to financing to to get into home ownership. Uh, we of course support that mission, uh, but they also care about climate change and resiliency and all the things. And you can see where housing you know, kind of crosses both of those trip wires and where we have our work cut out for us in in balancing uh, the affordability of, of housing in America uh, with uh, with some of the environmental zealots who who want to see. Uh, regulatory environment for uh, for buildings and uh, and and maybe with in, with with oftentimes disregard for the cost of that home. And you know it, it, it's particularly important now uh, that we continue to make those points because year over year, as you know, um, our building material costs have gone up by twenty one percent. Our labor costs have gone up by eight percent. That's almost a thirty percent increase in the cost to build a house. And now, these well-intentioned as they may be, regulations to uh, to avert climate change and to make homes more resilient, you add those to the cost of a house, and no one can afford it. That's right. And then, and then they they decry uh, why why you know housing affordability uh, has plummeted, and 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 decry why it's 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 harder to build homes. You know, we have a, a supply a housing supply problem in this country, uh, not a demand problem. And, and just adding costs to that supply side equation, it, you, you cannot, you can't, in a lot of ways, it, it, on the path that they have set, 
you cannot meet the climate and resiliency requirements uh, that they want while also serving at serving uh, the the affordability and opportunity equation that they want. They have to bring balance to those two. And yes, we as we know, we build the most resilient, the most energy efficient product on the planet every day. The home we built today is more efficient than the home we built yesterday. Uh, that, that's we, exactly we, right. And what, what, what I, I did mention to him, along with the other members of our staff, is don't forget you can you can make every new home have a zero carbon footprint, and every new home meet every resiliency standards. If you don't do it to the existing stock, it's not going to make a hill of beans worth of difference. They seem to understand that, and uh, hopefully uh, there'll be room for some kind of dialogue like that. That's right. You're, if the, the more expensive you make new homes, people are just going to stay in their old homes, or they're just going to remodel them themselves, uh, in which case that's a whole host of issues. They need to stick with the professionals in our industry who, who know how to build and remodel. So uh, it's a, a complicated, complicated issue. Yes, it is. But uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about something different. Um, we got a great guest with us today, and uh, let's bring her into the studio. We have Elena Money Garman, uh, who is a home builder, a writer, a speaker uh, from North Carolina. But I think more importantly, Elena, you're the mom to three rowdy feminists, it says. I am. <laughs> Age 17, 15, and 12. Oh, good Lord. That's, those are the rowdy years, and it only gets worse. It's true. We're on the, we're on the brink of 16 and 18, so it's getting, it's getting rowdy. Yeah, I bet it is. How do you find time to do all that and be two-time Builder of the Year, Professional Builders Magazine, 40 Under 40, twice Builder of the Year in Durham County, uh, and the first recipient of uh, the Home Builders Association for Wake County, Raleigh and Wake. How do you do it all? Yeah. I hire fantastic talent and I get out of their way. <laughs> so for me, it's all about hiring great talent. I, I like to tell our team to hire people that make them feel uncomfortable because they're smarter than they are. <laughs> because that's where the real growth happens, right? When someone comes exactly the right. knocks your socks off and um, give them the space to run with it, make mistakes and iterate and innovate and keep going. That's a great philosophy. Has it been difficult to implement that? As a young woman in a traditionally middle-aged to older male-dominated business, how has that impacted your ability uh, to implement your philosophy? Well, we founded Garmin Homes on the principles of offering a great home building experience, but from an entirely different place than a production national home builder. We wanted to layer on this intensely personal experience for everyone from our employees to our trade partners to our brokers to our consumers so at a traditional construction home building company it would be very difficult but because we started from scratch in 2008 this has really been our philosophy from day one and so i think we've created a a personality around that that people recognize that sort of draws people the right people to you and in reverse it repels the other people away from you <laughs> So, Elena, you said you started the company in, in 2008. Uh, I think we all Great remember. Timing. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> two, two, 2008, I, if I recall, was probably the, the, the tail end of, of the boom. How, how is a new company, because at that point in, in the cycle, you had a lot of people entering uh, the home building industry thinking that this is a great way to <clears throat> start a job, start a yeah. career, uh, a business. 
and they ran headlong into 2009, 10, 11, and ultimately 12. How did you weather the Great, Rece- the Great Recession as a, new, as a new company? You know, it was um, serendipitous, actually. Like, as you both know, chaos creates a lot of opportunity. And so in a really hot market, we wouldn't have been able to get land deals that we were able to get, unfortunately, through the misfortune of other builders who were over leveraged and wiped out. Um, I like to say that we could only afford the lots on clearance. And thankfully for us, there were a lot of lots on clearance during that time. Um, And we only, we didn't have anything to lose. We were just getting started. So unlike other builders who were trying to acclimate to the, this new altitude, this new lower altitude, we were still growing and we only ate what we could kill. And um, we, we were very cautious. And I think it really ingrained in us some really good habits about not taking anything for granted, especially this market. And so when we encounter a problem, we're sort of like, well, it's not the Great Recession, so we can solve it. <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just keep going. Let's find a way to make ourselves better through whatever difficulty we're facing, whether it's an operational or sales or rising prices, lumber going off the rails. Um, we try to see each of those as an opportunity, but it was it was difficult, but it was also probably how we made our way. I don't know that we would have been able to grow as effectively as we wanted to in a hot market. So fast forward now 10 years, you just mentioned some of the headwinds the industry's facing now. Lot prices scarce and 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 very, very high. Building materials through the roof. You mentioned lumber. Gary and I addressed the lumber issue on every podcast we have. It's been the dominant issue for the industry. Uh, for going on two years now, a pandemic aside, of course, you understand the pandemic is on everybody's minds, um, but other material costs, delays, how, how are things changed? You're, you're a young, hungry company, uh, you know, looking for good deals 10 years ago. Now, now you're a mature company, obviously with great name recognition and market, uh, market penetration. How, how, how have things changed and how are you weathering these, the current headwinds now? What we've always tried to do is build a really collaborative partnership with our trade partners. We know that through the labor shortage, we learned that trade partners have a choice of who they work with. So we always want to be the partner that the trade prefers. And I always say to every new trade partner, I want to be your favorite. And I say that as a way of starting a conversation about what does that mean to earn the right to be your favorite builder? So what does that look like? How do I pay you? How do you make decisions? How do you like to work? And so we are constantly collaborating with our trade partners, surveying them to get better into our business, into our operating day-to-day systems to reflect what they prefer. So that when it comes to something like soaring lumber, we're sitting down at a table and saying, okay, we need to design a win-win for both of us. We don't, we don't participate in win-lose. We both need to succeed. We both need to make sure our companies stay whole throughout this, this difficulty. So for our building supply company, that became a discussion about the best way to predict pricing and the best way to pace our starts and sales and closings so that we can minimize some of the damage and some of the, you know, the whiplash that you get. So I think having those conversations as consistently and as vulnerably as you can uh, produces the best results. That's great advice is, is we've gone, moved through the, the pandemic and uh, you know, now coming up almost uh, another couple of months, it'll be, it'll be two years, hard to believe. That's kind of a common thread is, is communication, communication, communication with suppliers and builders, 
uh, and your subs just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, so the, the, the advice that was, 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 was uh, good to two or two and a half years or a year and a half ago still holds today. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Jim, it'd be great if we could get people in Congress to understand the concept <laughs> of win-win. You don't yeah, have to win-win or working together, down. communication. <laughs> yeah, that would wouldn't that be nice? Novel yeah. concepts, definitely. Yeah, you have to earn the relationship, right? Every when when times are good, you have to you have to invest in that relationship into a a, a relationship that can stain all the ups and downs. And so we try to be that builder all the time, not just call when there's a problem, but call for no reason, catch um, catch them doing something great and praise them for it and and try to really foster that relationship. So no matter what's in our way, that we, we have a means of communication to solve it. Well, Anna, we hear a lot uh, from the younger builders that uh, trade associations aren't of value to them, that Act, being active at their local and state level and national is really something that they don't see the, a, a real positive return on their investment. Can you comment on that? Sure. I used to be one of those people. <laughs> I, um, I think it has a lot to do with representation and reflection. You know, as a young woman, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me participating in the homeowners Association. And so you know, kind of looked in the mirror and said, well, if you don't like it, then go do something about it. Go join, go be the person that's there that's different. And, and that will help others see themselves in that trade association and attract more people who are like-minded into the decision-making process, into the representation of our industry. So I went from uh, the TSMC side because I came up from sales and marketing so I was very um, active in my sales and marketing council, the Triangle Sales and Marketing Council, and then moved over as a board member to the Home Builders Association a few years ago. And now I'm second vice president for the HBA in Raleigh. I'll only be the fourth uh, president ever of the Home Builders Association in Raleigh that's a woman um, in 2024. Wow, congratulations. And you've taken that and you've moved up and are involved at the state and and from our perspective, thankfully, uh, also at national. Uh, what has national meant to you and your participation? It, you know, it's still developing, so I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm curious because I've been remote. The whole time I've been national, I've been remote. But my participation in the Builder Show has allowed me to benefit from these connections that I've been able to make from other builders across the country. And that has served me hugely in um, the strategy and vision for our business. I think when you're able to meet other builders in different markets and what they're experiencing and learn from each other and have a safe space to ask, ask each other questions that you might be too intimidated to ask a competitor. Um, I think that sort of connection breeds the best ideas, breeds the best, um, the best version of a crystal ball we can construct, right? So trends move through the country from these hot markets to the middle markets and and we both we all see some version of the same theme like like lumber pricing or trade shortages or things like that so i think that connection across the country with other builders and uh, people in our industry is invaluable information that you 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 just can't get unless you're sitting across from someone looking them in the eyes and saying like but what about this but what about this and i, I think you need a place to speak your fears and have them be heard and reflected back. Well, you mentioned that your your uh, participation at the national level is really just beginning. You should never say that to me and Jim. We'll get you nominated <laughs> for 
more committees and task forces than you dreamed ever existed. But, we don't uh, have time. <laughs> so get, re get ready for that. But you, uh, I know you're going to be giving a presentation at IBS this year. Uh, can you care to give the listeners a preview? Sure, I'll be. Um, I have a presentation almost every day, so please come see me somewhere. <laughs> I will be presenting on the concept home that's based on the America at Home study. I got to build the concept home uh, for the America at Home study at Chatham Park in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and we are doing a presentation on Tuesday at 3:45. And we're really looking forward to telling the story of consumer-based research and what post-pandemic living looks like reflected in uh, space. In, in home plans. And then I get to moderate a design battle between two architects on Wednesday. Uh, Seth Hart and Doug Cummings will go head to head on things like creative spaces, flexibility, memory points inside the home, density, sort of all the design challenges. And I get to moderate their battle and see who comes out victorious. So I'm super excited about that. And then we'll be featured in Show Village for Pro Builder on the concept home every day at 11.15. So I'm excited to be there and to share the story and hopefully connect with other builders who are, are trying to do the same thing. Well, that sounds really interesting. Thank we'll have you. Time to break away and get down there, Jim. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really interested in that concept home idea just because, um, you know, Jerry, you, you know, we, we interact on Capitol Hill and the administration uh, and they're, they're very much talking about more resilient, more energy efficient homes. Sure, you can build those uh, and they're more, they're, they're more expensive and they may not be aesthetically pleasing. So a, a, a session like like yours, Elena, that has um, uh, that has kind of what consumers want and how I can use that to balance uh, with public policy goals is uh, is a really interesting a really interesting idea to me. Thanks. I mean, I'm excited because we you know we're just presenting one take on the data. So there's there's infinite opportunities for other builders to see this data and think, I wonder what I could do with that, or I wonder what that would look like in my market. So I'm really looking forward to that type of discourse at the builder show when there's someone who's like, but I have this to deal with. So what would that look like? So I think that's the place for real innovation to happen. Elena, you know, it's so exciting for me to hear you talk like this because, uh, you know, recently one of our uh, uh, other major trade shows in our country is the Consumer Electronics Show that was held uh, just last week in, in Las Vegas. Attendance was way down. And many, many young people have been taking to social media saying that the concept of trade shows is dead and that there's no use for them anymore. To hear you so excited about it is, is truly, truly uh, refreshing uh, and something that, that, that I think we need to make sure that we carry on to, to the builders and particularly the younger builders around the country. Um, I, I'm very grateful that you, that you took the time to be with us today. Uh, to the young builders, but particularly to young females getting into this industry, what is your closing words of advice to them as they go into 2022 and beyond? Dream bigger than you might dare. <laughs> I know it sounds a little trite and vague, but there is a great need for your perspective. So no matter where you're coming from, your voice and your talent and your perspective is needed in home building. And you know, over 90% of home buying decisions are made by women. So if we don't have women at the top reflecting the leadership and the construction and design, that's a huge opportunity. And so please, if you don't feel invited to our industry, please consider this my personal invitation to you to come to our industry, find a woman who's in the business, and we will make space for you. I will make space for you. 
That's wonderful yeah. advice. Yeah. All right. Well, Elena, we're looking forward to seeing you at IBS. Thanks again for taking the time. And thanks for everything you're doing for the industry. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're you. welcome. It's my pleasure and my honor. See you in Orlando. Thank you. Wow, Jim, she was uh, quite the guest, huh? Yeah, Elena was uh, was awesome. Like just a, a real a real bolt of energy uh, for us, but but I think for the industry, and you can see uh, that she's the future of the industry. More female participation, a younger generation of builders uh, with a different attitude, uh, and uh, and I look forward to her participation uh, not only in the industry but in HB for a long, long time. She's uh, she's great. I agree. I mean, it is a different attitude, but she again stressed the importance of her local, her state, and and national participation. And that's something that I hope uh, some of her peers in her age group will uh, listen to and and heed her advice and and get active. And the place to get active is at IBS, where Atlanta will be, where Jim and I will be in about three weeks. And we hope to see everybody down there. Uh, It's going to be a very, very good meeting. Um, everybody getting back together for the first time in almost two years now uh, yes. is going to be spectacular. It's going to be great. Sunny Orlando. Can't wait. We will see you all in, in sunny Orlando. Thanks for listening. Uh, and thanks for being a part of the home building family. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Thanks for listening to Housing Developments. Housing Developments.